So my name is Brennan. I have four young kids, if you don't know me, which means I'm usually chasing them around and, uh, and trying to get them to behave or participate in the nursery or in the various classes. So that's, that's my perspective. My other perspective is uh, I'm an engineer at a large corporation, so I actually um, relate pretty well to that, uh, that video. That's kind of funny for me. All right, so I'm just gonna just gonna hold these papers up here, so I don't have to stand way back here and see what's going on. So, uh, so I want to talk to you guys today. Um, this is my first time preaching, so you can heckle me all you want. Um, I want to talk a little bit about compassion, um, and through a a story we all know and well, uh, know pretty well um, out of, out of Luke. There's a, there's a parable you probably have run into at least once. Let's go to the next slide. I, I like this picture. There it is. Uh, this is the story of the good Samaritan as, as told to a, to a two-year-old. Two year old, you know. um, but I think we can go a little bit beyond that uh, today. Um, so let's go ahead and read through the passage. This is out of Luke. Uh, this is... Uh, I'll just give you a little bit of setting. Jesus is returning to Jerusalem for the Passion Week, where he's going to, his time is drawing nigh. And so this is out of the message. I cleaned up a pronoun here there, so we could be explicit. So I'm just going to read it to you. Um, you don't need to follow along, just listen, or use your eyeballs. Just then a religion, a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Jesus answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? The scholar said that you love, your God, love the Lord your God with your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, says Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Now looking for a loophole, the scholar asked, just how would you define neighbor? Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the the same road. When he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a a Levite religious man showed up, and he also avoided the injured man. But a Samaritan traveling the road came on him, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey and led him into an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on my way back. Now, what do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded. And Jesus said, go and do the same. So, I'm hoping that at least you're familiar with that passage. If not, now you are. Um, And when I started looking at this, um, in some ways, this is, it's, it's like a sermon kind of written in the Bible. You know, the parable is, it's a story parable, right? It's pretty clear what's going on. 
Um, but I wanted to give you a little bit, maybe add some meaning to it in, in, in today's life because when something is so easily put into a, uh, a caricature, a little cartoon for a two-year-old, when I think of the Good Samaritan, sometimes that's the picture that comes to mind. Oh, yes, be a cartoon, you know, and, you know, Jesus is, is nice. I should be nice. Um, but there's really a lot of meaning. There's a lot of context in, 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 in the, in the, both in the story. You know, who were the Samaritans? Who's the scholar? Um, and, you know, uh, one thing I'd point out is Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the cultural center of Jewish identity, right? They have the temple again. It's called the second temple period because Solomon's temple was destroyed and they rebuilt the temple and they're back in Jerusalem. Um, and so this is really understood where they are. Jesus is close to Jerusalem. Jericho is also close to Jerusalem. It's about 20 miles away. So Jesus is saying, like, you know, what's the, what's the cultural center of San Antonio? I could say the Alamo or I guess the medical center. So we're at the medical center. <laughs> and this guy is going out to Holotes, right, kind of going to the burbs. And he gets attacked. Right? So Jesus is really addressing, taking a bit of the scriptural context. Right? The, the scholar is asking him a kind of a challenging question. And um, so the scholar here, so I'm going to do a little bit of a uh, look at the be afraid of the microphones as well. Um, also, we'll, I want to look a little bit at kind of the Samaritan as, as well. And then we'll kind of, kind of bring it back together. Um, so the scholar, this is, he would be a... Um, Kind of a biblical scholar, someone we'd expect to find at a at a at a Bible university. Am I coming through still? Um, and he asked this question, "Teacher, what I need to do to get eternal life?" This is kind of tantamount to saying, you know, what I need to do to be saved. He's asking Jesus kind of the nature of salvation in in a very kind of Jewish Jewish way. Um, and let's see, what's the next slide say? Um, and Jesus challenges us to say, well, what's the Bible say? So this is, this is a common, this is, like, this is like college seminary kind of dialogue. You're the teacher. You ask me the question. I don't answer your question. I say, well, what do you think? Because you're supposed to know this. And, and you've got to think, I want to make us all a little bit more Jewish today, just, just for a little bit, just so we can understand the context a little bit. Uh, so he would have had, Jesus had the entire scriptures memorized. This guy would have had the entire scriptures memorized. And there was a lot of debate at that time in terms of like what the interpretation or the application of that would be. So he starts off this. He says, that you love you, the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as yourself. So this is, this is the same answer Jesus has given in Matthew and in other places in the New Testament. You, can, you find this text. Jesus says this. So it's a, it's a good answer. It's, good, it's, a good, it's a good Bible answer, right? Um, this actually, so the first part of this, these are actually two references to the Old Testament. This is kind of a, 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 a way, like, if we all were so intimate, I wish I was this intimate with the Word of God, like you just say, and this, and this, and you would, you'd immediately kind of follow me into the Scriptures. And this is what's happening. Um, so this is coming from a passage in Deuteronomy called the Shema, which means listen. Um, but it is central, really, to the identity of what it is to be Jewish, and I, the identity of what it means to follow God. It is the greatest commandment. Um, and it goes like this. This is from Deuteronomy. Listen, Israel. 
The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with your whole mind, your whole being, and all your strength. These are the words I'm commanding you today and must be kept in mind. And then that passage goes on. You're supposed to put it on your forehead and your arms and stuff. And by the time Jesus' time came along, the, the Pharisees would have like these little things on their heads and their arms. Um, they'd actually literally carry these words around with them. So this is, this is a, the identity of, of really, you know, it's just like saying the creed, you know, uh, or, you know, what, let me think, what's something that we would all understand? You know, the, starting off with the Lord's Prayer. You know, what's it mean to follow? And I'd say, I'd go into the Lord's Prayer. You would all understand that. You'd have an immediately a notion of what the identity is, right? Or, or if I launched in the Nicene Creed, which is the, the ancient Christian creed that, that um, I think we, you know, I, if I remembered it, I would be able to recite it to you, but I don't. So, and then he goes on, that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. This is, ends up being the sticking point. Um, now, this comes from Leviticus, um, and this is often understood, not only by Jesus, but, but by, the, by many of the Pharisees themselves. This is the second greatest commandment. So Jesus is actually affirming something that was taught and something that was understood, not universally understood. There's a lot of uh, uh, various notions on, on like how you approach the scriptures at this time. This is what Jesus is dealing with. And he's going to deal with this to kind of address a heart issue, right? So Leviticus says, and you should not take vengeance or bear grudge against any of your people. This is kind of out of a passage that kind of deals with morality, I guess, of, of how you treat people, right? But you should love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So, uh, now, looking for a loophole, the scholar says, and just how would you define neighbor? Seems like a good like way of scrolling out. I've got kids. Sometimes my kids ask me questions, and I know what they're doing. Right? They're, I know that what they ask me, they've already talked to Marie about they already talked to Mama. <laughs> At which point I say, "Well, let's, Marie, what did you just tell the kids?" I, my little parenting radar goes off, and and Jesus's parenting radar is going off here, um, because he's he's he wants to define a boundary, a barrier. Who do I love and who do I don't love? And Jesus is going to address this. It's a hard issue. So scholarly debate time. So the scholar comes up here. He understands intimately the word of God. He's going to challenge. He wants to one-up Jesus a little bit. But I want to... So this is... I think this might be my... I want to warn you. We might hit a rabbit trail. But it'll be a short one, I promise. I even put a picture of a rabbit on there to remind us all that this is going to go a little bit left of center. So the scholar here wants to justify his own beliefs. You know, maybe show up Jesus. He wants, he wants to prove his point, And he wants his own version of what it means to be a neighbor. You know, does this mean fellow Jews? These are the people that share my beliefs. Are these are the people who are in the room with me. Well, you're my neighbors. The, you know, Mexico, that's, that's too far away. I don't have to think of them, right? Or that guy, the Samaritan, that we'll, we'll meet in, in a little bit. So I'm going to give you some references. So first of all, this is out of Matthew. You know, Jesus, Jesus has said this, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There's, there's a few different ways to interpret this, but I'm going to give you like a, a, an approach to Scripture, Jewish cultural context on this. So this is the first rabbit trail. So you can forget this after today, but it will give you a little bit of understanding. So the Pharisees, 
Do you guys know the Pharisees? These guys in the New Testament, right? So they were kind of born, I'll get this in a little bit later, but sometime in the past, these Babylonians came in and like took all the Judah people out and they went off to Babylon. Raised the temple, the temple's no longer there. And uh, the Jews had to figure out, really, how do we approach God? We're in captivity. And this sort of uh, approach to God that, that people that kind of brought God from the temple really into the daily lives was kind of fathered during this time. This is a couple hundred years, maybe before Jesus was, was, was born or some, something like that. Um, and the, and, the, and the, sort of the, the two figureheads of this movement, the, the Pharisee movements, would be this guy named uh, Shammai and a guy named Hillel. And you can kind of think of it as... Um, well, okay, let me, let me give you some, some cultural adjustments here. So during Jesus' time, we had the, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, kind of prominent figures. Well, the Sadducees, they were, had largely lineage from uh, the priests from, from the Davidic, uh, from, from uh, what was his name? Uh, I think Zadok, Zadok, anyways, one of the priests, and they really ran the temple. And then the Pharisees were kind of the, the preachers to the people. They came from this Babylonian exile. And out of their thinking, you had some debate going on. You had Shammai who would say, well, the, the first and second most important commandments, we have the Shema that we all agree on. But his second would be keep the Sabbath holy. This is in the culture. Now, Jesus who actually agrees with Hillel, the more liberal of the two, would say, no, the second most important is to love your neighbor. So there's a little bit of tension. There's a little bit of cultural debate going on there. This hasn't been firmed up, right? It's not, the, the, the Old Testament had, had been, uh, is well known. The New Testament hasn't been written yet, right? So there's, this is still being discussed. And there's a lot of oral tradition going on in the Jewish uh, uh, belief system that really encourages debate, um, so, second rabbit, rabbit trail. So this is, this is, you won't find this in your Bible, but I have an Orthodox Bible in my house, and so I found it in here. This, is come, this is from the, a set of writings that happened between the Old Testament stopping and the New Testament starting. These were not adopted as can, uh, into the canon, into like scripture. But you can kind of think of them as sermon notes, right? We sometimes reference like uh, what John Piper or... or you know, Wesley or Calvin or anybody, you know, any, any famous influencer of the faith. And in fact, this used to be kind of referenced from the pulpit, maybe more so before than it is today. Um, uh, but I wanted to kind of point out, like this is this guy, uh, Ben Sira, said, do good to a humble man, but do not give to an ungodly man. Hold back his bread and do not give to him. I don't think Jesus would, would necessarily agree with this, right? Give to the good man, but do not help the sinner. So, this is in the culture too. So I want you to understand that, that, that we kind of come to it, we kind of get to that caricature version of it, and we think, well, of course I should be good. The Samaritan, he's a good guy. He gives. This is what love looks like. Well, the Jews are really struggling with Who's my neighbor? Who am I supposed to love? We thought God was supposed to give us 
this national identity. And the Messiah is going to come here and kick out Rome and give us our land back and bless this nation in the way we're expecting it. That was the expectation. And that's an expectation for like John and Peter and, and, and John the Baptist. This is, they were expecting that kind of Messiah. And if we just go on a little bit further, I want to give you another point of friction, a little bit of uh, misunderstanding that's going on in this, in this passage. So let's move on. That's uh, the next, next slide. So we have a hard issue, yes. I think I, let's keep going. Uh, let's talk about Samaritans. So do you guys know who Samaritans are? Well, they're kind of like the, the Samaritans and the Jews. Let me describe the, the relationship that they had. <laughs> the Hatfields and the McCoys. So if you're familiar with American history, or maybe oil and vinegar, North and South Korea. You know, it's a bit closer, kind of the same family at least. The Inquisition and the Protestants. So a little bit of religion and family there. Or us and them. Think of a people with messed up religion, messed up way of thinking, different uh, geography. All right, there's, there's some real you know, historical ties that say, you know, you're not thinking about God right. You know, and what more with the Samaritans? Your, your, your racial lines aren't, aren't clean. But I think we are so, here in Texas, I think we're, we're mixed enough that that's not as much of an issue as, as the religious and, and idea. You know, think of you know, us, us and, I don't know, the Mormons or something like that. Wrong theology, right? Wrong way of understanding what, who God is. So let me describe this a little bit. So this, is, this actually happens just a little bit before this passage. This is in Luke. This is on the same, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. This is from, when the days drew near uh, for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. By the way, all these boldings, that's, that's all my work. Uh, but the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And his disciples, James and John, saw him, saw it. They said, Lord, do you want us to tell the fire to come down from heaven and consume them? It's kind of comical, right? But not too long ago, we had the transfiguration happen. And we see Elijah, the prophet, and the Moses, the prophet, who called down things from heaven against the enemies. They were still expecting a, a political messiah, not necessarily the spiritual servant. They were still having a heart change that they were doing, the disciples, right? So... The scholar has an issue here. You know, James and John have a problem here. Uh, certainly with the Samaritans. You know, it's only with Jesus. They're trying to figure out what Jesus is going to do here. So let's go on. So here's a brief history lesson. So we start off with Adam and Eve. We have a flood. We have Moses. We have the kingdom of Israel. This gets cut up. A little bit of friction happens. You have the northern kingdom of Israel the southern kingdom of Judah. Then the Assyrians come in and they take away a lot of the people out of the northern kingdom. And it doesn't work out too well. They repopulate it. They have some problems. What happens is you have a mix of the Israelites who were taken away during the Assyrian reign. They get put back in there. And what happens is there's a religious 
inbreeding. Other gods are kind of brought in. So the, the Judeans didn't like that. And in the Old Testament, you'll find instances where you know, a prophet comes up and, and starts dealing with the priests up in, up, up in Israel, right? Samaria is in Israel. So we are talking about old turf wars, old issues of how the, Israel's respo- of how the, the, the kings and, and the Israelites responded with the Assyrian invasion. So later on, the Babylonians come in to kind of take care of Judah as well. And we have the, you know, the, 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 the temple that Solomon built was, 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 was wiped out. And this is where the, uh, the Pharisees are born during this exile. So I just want to give you an understanding. There's a bit of an issue here. This, um, and then we have Rome, right? So Rome comes in. So, so this is out of uh, Second Kings. So hopefully this isn't too long of a rabbit trail. We're doing okay in time. The king of Assyria brought in people from Babylon. Uh, I don't even know how to say that next word. Kutha, I guess. Ava, Hamath, and Severim, I guess. And relocated them in the towns of Samaria, replacing the exiled Israelites. They moved in as if they owned the place and made for themselves at home. When the Assyrians first moved in, God was just another God to them. They neither honored nor worshipped him. Then God sent lions among them, and the people were mauled and killed. And things go on. This situation doesn't... We have some issues that kind of continue on in the Old Testament, if you keep reading through here, um, between kings and, and, and other books in the Bible. Now... So let's see, talk about the cultural differences then between the Samaritans, who'd be like the remnant out of this, right, who really were looking towards God. They weren't looking away from God, but they had some, some differences. One is they shared the Pentateuch, right, the first part of the Bible, the law, but they didn't really kind of really go for all the stuff that, the, that, the, that came out of the prophets that were really speaking to, to Judah and, 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 and so on. So there's, there's kind of a, a spiritual rift. By the time you get into Joshua, there's kind of, differences between the between their, their two versions of history of what that canon looks like so you can think of in our own lives sometimes we're talking to people and, and there's kind of theological differences kind of at, a, at some sometimes a fundamental level um, importantly they reject jerusalem as the center of religion they did not buy into this whole temple in jerusalem thing they had their own set of temples built uh, kind of in where where abraham lived now, actually, let's go back. I'm going to read the bottom two, two verses, um, which is, I'll read them to you. I'll catch up, I promise. The Samaritan woman, this is from John 4, 9, taken back, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Now, Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to a Samaritan. And John eight forty eight, the Jews said to him, this clenches it. You're right all along when we called you a Samaritan and said you're crazy, demon-possessed. So you get a feel of, of, of who this, you know, when Jesus introduces this guy, the Samaritan, in the parable, it's not that caricature. This is, this is talking about blood feud, right, of, of who this guy is. And, you know, I don't know if it's fair to think this guy might have thought, you know, he's going to put a Pharisee. He talks like a Pharisee. He He's maybe more liberal than a Pharisee, uh, just Jesus guy. Maybe he'll put me in that spot. He doesn't put the expected kind of good guy in there. 
um, he puts in the Samaritan. So let's kind of get back then to the parable. Hopefully, if I remember how I put the sermon together. So back to the parable. After after Jesus um, gives the parable, he asks this question: What do you think? Which of the three became the neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The one who treated the same responded. And Jesus said, go and do the same. So Jesus is really addressing, taking the issue of what's the boundary I'm going to have between me and them. And Jesus says, no, you're thinking about this wrong. Look at this guy, the Samaritan. Um, the guy with the bad theology, really from the wrong side of town. You know, with bad ancestry. And he is fulfilling the commandment. He is showing what the kingdom of God looks like in this situation. Parables teach us through the story. You, have, you understand the parable for what it is. But it's teaching us about what the kingdom of God looks like. And Jesus is saying, okay, I'm going to explain to you what these, the two greatest uh, commandments. You live this, you're living the kingdom of God. And immediately the guy says, uh-huh, I, what do you mean by this, right? And Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. It's kind of like a sermon illustration, you know, Jesus style. Uh, so in today's term, this guy might have been the Mormon guy from the bike. That church that looks funny with a little trumpet or whatever, you know, from, from some neighborhood that you're nervous talking to. This is the guy that Jesus uses to explain. This is what I mean in that verse. Now, he's not condoning, like, his theology, Right? Jesus said, you know, uh, elsewhere in the, in the New Testament, you know, I came first to the Jews, right, and then to the Gentiles, and, and um, you know, and, and when he deals with a Samaritan earlier on, it's like, he gets in this dialogue, and this lady says, you know, Jesus help me, he's like, I forget what it is, like the, the dogs and the scraps from the table, and he, he uh but he responds to her faith. He responds to her pressing in to Jesus, right? So looking beyond the cultural things. So he's saying that what is really, though, important to understanding the nature of God is understanding the nature of what it means to become a neighbor, which Jesus defines as acting out of in compassion and acting out of love. So this is my this is my last slide, but I, I think it really brought it home to me as I looked at this. I mean, I looked at a lot of a lot of rabbit trails on there. I just kind of put those two in there to help you understand there's a, there's what the culture means, and really, you know, for us, what it means to us. What does it mean to live out in compassion? You know, we have head knowledge of, of Christ. I mean, we we study the Scripture. We have we we spend the time in here, but it needs to be acted out, and. Um, not with the boundaries that we set before us, but the boundary of what is the spirit? What would the spirit say in that situation? You know, have you ever been challenged to act out in love and a little bit scared? Those are the places where we can learn and move forward and begin to capture. You know, don't worry always that your your theology might be a little bit off. You don't feel prepared. That Samaritan was not prepared necessarily with the right view. You know, of necessarily what Jesus was about. He obviously didn't. They, 
they wouldn't even let him stay in Samaria, right? There was such a, a blood feud. But Jesus says, in his act of compassion, he's capturing what the kingdom of God looks like in that situation. So I hope that helps us uh, and encourages us all to, to understand a little bit more what Jesus means, you know, in compassion and loving your enemies. Um, on that note, um, I'm going to... On that note, um, I'm going to maybe move us into prayer time. Let's get up and stand up and stretch a little bit. Um, if any of you have any resonance with an issue or lack of compassion, maybe struggling with a situation even that you don't understand how to respond to, I invite you uh, to come up here and after I give a quick little prayer and we'll spend some time in prayer as well as anything else one, anyone wants to come up for. So Lord, I, I thank you that you are here for us. That you've taught us um, time and time again what it means to press into you. What it means to press into you as well as to press your kingdom and allow the opportunity for it to grow in today's world. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so everyone else, we are actually a little bit short on time. We actually started a little bit, uh, finished up a little bit early. So Randy, Clara, Alice, or anyone else, let's just spend some time um, centering ourselves before God and search ourselves and ask the Lord if, if there's an area of places where we have lack of compassion. Maybe I, I say it too strongly when we have a lack of compassion, where we need to press on and push for compassion. I thank you, God. All right, on that note, you're all can be dismissed. We will close things up. We can have, uh, anyone has a, Prayer requests come up. Who has a word? That would be a good time.